Welcome to Three Beers In, a craft podcast with beer news and reviews. Here's your host, Dominic Rebello. We're going to read the damn thing from deep underground in Staten Island's beer bunker slash virtual saloon. Welcome to yet another episode of Three Beers In, craft beer show bringing you the latest beer news and unique craft beer reviews. I'm your host, Dom. This episode 190, and this week we're doing a two-for-one special, <clears throat> which is crazy. Beer news is a little slow, so got to fill the time somehow. So we're doing a two-for-one, and I thought it would be pretty not pretty now. <clears throat> Excuse me. If I could do, uh, if I could uh, end the winter, because today is the first day of spring, because uh, it's the, tw- is it is it the first day of spring today? The 20th? The first day of spring, I think, or I'm close to it. Um, ending the winter with a stout and kicking off the spring with the heralded Hefeweizen. That's right, everybody. Everyone loves a good Hefeweizen. I think a lot of the, a lot of people in the, um, in the craft beer community are fans of Hefeweizens. It's just a, such a unique flavor, such a unique taste. Um, but it's kind of, it's almost as if if you had one Hefeweizen, you kind of had them all, sort of. So... And uh, I may be wrong about that because I haven't had a ton of Hefeweizen, especially from craft breweries. There are not a lot that are offered, uh, you know, uh, in terms of craft breweries and stuff. So when you do see one on the menu, get it, because I think that that is a testament to the, to the, uh, the operation that you have, that, you, that you've uh, stumbled upon. If they got a Hefeweizen there, they're probably... Um, uh, I mean, I don't think they're flooding their their um, their kegs with just novelty beer. I think, I, or not novelty beer, but uh, you know, like a macro type of beer, like a pale ale that every everyone's had had a pale ale. Everybody loves pale ale, but you know who who who's going to step into the realm of the Hefeweizen? Now it's it's interesting that we're having from from Spellbound Brewing out of I think Mount Holly, New Jersey. Uh, Hefeweizen is the name of the beer, which I think is great because it's so simple. And um, <clears throat> I'm also going to be reviewing, and I, I usually don't do this. I usually stay away from the local beers here, but I'm going to be doing the Irish Coffee Stout from Flagship, their very own Irish Coffee Stout. Um, I had it for St. Patrick's Day. I hope everyone had a wonderful St. Patrick's Day. I'm not going to get too much into the Irish Coffee Stout right now, but because I'm going to be reviewing it later, it kind of kind of just popped up that way. I wasn't planning on doing that, but the last second I was like, hey, let me do it. Um, but we're, we'll talk about it. But what I'm currently having right now is the Killsborough Kilsner, and uh, it just lights out delicious. I mean, it's got all the makings of a perfect German Pilsner. It's just right here in this glass. Finishes maltier than the uh, German powerhouses that I'm used to, uh, but uh, that's not a knock on the beer at all. Um, I don't want to sound pretentious. I don't want to sound pretentious because of this right here, right? So I was looking at Hefeweizen, right? And I call it Hefeweizen. I was like, how is it actually pronounced in German? Because I'm pretty sure I'm doing it wrong. And uh, this is what we get. Hold on. Let me make sure I get the volume on here. Hold on a second here. Where's the... Hefeweizen. 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 I'm not going to say that. I think... So I don't think I'm a pretentious person. I mean, I, I, I do a craft beer show. It's for craft beer people. So... You know, it's not me trying to like uh, trying to say that I know more than anybody. I'm anything. I don't know much at all. I'm just a fan, right? And I just go, going through this journey with you guys. But I will not say Hefeweizen. You know, Hefeweizen. I'm not going to go because I, I think that comes off as pretentious. And what is the definition of pretentious? What I love about the MacBook, by the way. Oh God! I also found out this is a game changer, and I'm a little upset that there's only like two articles this week that I was able to get that were like I think good. Um, 
there's this feature on the MacBook called Reader, where you click this button on the top of the, the search bar or whatever, and it takes away all the bullshit. Like, the, I, I, don't, I haven't gotten an ad yet. I haven't gotten the page disappear or anything like that. It's clean. It's great. I mean, it is the greatest thing that I have found personally. I mean, I'm pretty sure, like, when the first fax machine was, like, shown, they were like, hey, we could get this piece of paper and, like, take the image of it and send it all the way over to there. This is this is the reaction that that was uh, that happened, right? The, what I'm doing right now is the reaction. This right here is the first fax reaction. So I'm not going to walk in and say... I'm not saying Hefeweizen because that just comes off as pretentious. But um, speaking about culture and speaking about trying to be pretentious and stuff like that, um, saying that, oh, well, this Pilsner finishes a little bit maltier than the powerhouses, you know, that I sound like a little bit of a dick. But, I mean, I'm used to drinking these beers. I'm used to drinking Bitburgers and Kronbachers and, and uh, uh, Polliners and, and, and Hofbrows and uh, what else we got here on my laptop case here? Warsteiner. I mean, those are the big ones. I'm used to it, you know? So um, it's actually a testament to how good this beer is. And, I mean, it's hopped with Hollertau, Magnum, Tetanang, Pearl, and Hollertau Blanc. It's a wonderful German pedigree in these cans right here. I love the can that we have here. It's a beautiful—I'm going to grab one right here. They always got really good cans, and this one is just so, it's, it's, the beauty is the simplicity. It's got a crown, it's a green can with gold lettering, it's got a crown in the middle, it says Kilsner on it with a hop flower at the bottom, and like this really nice hop vine drawing inside of this uh, crest. I really enjoy Killsborough and the stuff that they come out with, I, I really and truly do. Um, so, you know, get yourself some, if you can find it, you know, you just will not be disappointed. Uh, flagship also just released uh Bira Locale, or I, I don't even know if I'm saying that right. Here comes the more pretension. Hold on a second here. Cause it's Italian, right? And you want to be able to, to, to sound like you, 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 you're doing the right thing here. So if I type in Bira uh, Locale like that, Italian. Okay, here we go. Bira Locale. Oh shit. Okay. Hold on. I don't know if I can roll that R. Hold on. Bira Locale. Bira Locale. Birra locale. Birra, I can't. I can't do it quickly. Birra. I'm just gonna call. It says local beer in Italian English. So birra locale. Jesus Christ. Uh, it's an Italian style pilsner, and it's available in the tap room right now, and also online. You could order it. And flagship had. I wasn't able to go, unfortunately. I'm still a little. I'm still waiting for for everyone I know to have the vaccine, like everyone in my nuclear family to have the vaccine fully done. My mom just got it, her first dose. My dad is done, so he's going to be okay. My wife, we're still trying to get her able to get it because it's only available to certain people. Um, once everyone's vaccinated up here and we continue just doing our masking and stuff like that, I am going to be out there, man. I really am. Um, unfortunately, the baby, I'm not, I don't know. Can, can babies get this? Anyway, but anyway, nonetheless, the, the flagship had a had a an event where they did like a class on Pilsner, which I think is just absolutely incredible uh, that they were that they did something like this, uh, which is so fantastic for people who are fans of beer and want to learn about beer. Um, they had a whole uh, swath of different Pilsners and their Pilsner, and they did a whole class on the Italian style Pilsner. And if you want to and you're interested, you could go into the search of threebeersin.com. And go back to when we had Tom LaSalvia on, we did a special on Italian beers. And he had, you know, he's fluent in Italian and he gave us a wonderful uh, uh, lowdown description, almost our own class of, I'm not trying to compete here, but 
he he told us all about the Italian style and uh, how how it came to be and stuff like that. So if you if you want to, uh, and you missed out on this flagship event, you could hear it on Three Beers. <laughs> no, not their event, but we did our own little thing. I'm pretty sure the people at Flagship did a better job. No offense to you, Tom, but this guy, uh, I think his name is Doug Williams, I believe. Let me not disrespect his name. Hold on. Let me see if I can let me see if I can get it up here real quick, because uh, I don't like to uh, I don't like to do that. Hold on here. Okay, I got their Instagram up here right now, and uh, the brewer was Doug Williams. Did I say Doug Williams? Uh, he brought the class uh, through the history of Italian, uh, the history of the rise of the Italian pilsner. Oh, it's good. It's so fantastic when you have a really good beer when you do your beer podcast. And I'm truly blessed. I mean, my goodness, I'm truly blessed right now to have two excellent craft breweries right here in my backyard. And I can't wait for the warmer weather to get out there and hit up these places to see what's offered locally because uh, that's what it's all about. And uh, Yeah, it's really fantastic. And happy belated birthday to me. I'm 33 years old now. I'm at the age where um, when I see like professional athletes and they're kind of like the same age range. Like, I, I wonder whether or not they should be retired or not. You know what I mean? So it's like, you know, I mean, if I was a football player, if I wasn't a quarterback, retired, you know, by now. You know, that's that's just kind of how it is. If I, unless you're Frank Gore. He's a 39-year-old running back. Be retired by now. If I was in hockey, I would kind of be at the edge of my prime. Like, he's still got it, but he's getting up there. If I was a soccer player, I'd be fine. Because some soccer players, look at Gianluigi Buffon. He's like 43 years old. He's still the goaltender of Juventus. He doesn't play as much, but he's still there. You got soccer players playing into their 40s. Um, let's see, what else? Baseball, I think I'd be good unless I was a pitcher, I think. Uh, if I was a pitcher, I, I, mean, I might start losing some velocity at 33 years old, you know, especially if I if I throw the ball hard, you know what I mean? Unless I was a relief pitcher, maybe I could still uh, stay or stick around a little bit. And if I was a position player, like an outfielder or a third baseman, I could always move to first base or, you know, just play designated hitter. If I was a good hitter, that is. What other sports are there? Basketball? I have no idea. I, I don't know anything about basketball, to be honest. I don't know how you get flushed out of the league. Do you get, do you, do, you know, do your skills really fade during, uh, you know, as time goes on? Of course, there comes a time you have to retire. I'm assuming it's due to the speed of the game. You know, I think LeBron James is 30 something's you know oh, here we go I got, I got siri right here how old is lebron james lebron james is 36 years old so he's 36 years old and he's still killing it so like you know i didn't get that okay Did i didn't mean again? to no i will not try again get away from me i don't mean to be so harsh to you here let me apologize to her i'm sorry about that before okay no need to apologize well i was abrupt I was abrupt, and I'm trying to... I don't want to be mean or anything like that. So, yeah. So, uh, if I was LeBron James... Well, I'm not LeBron James, but, you know, I don't even I don't even know. But I took a week off from work, which was really interesting um, because I had all this vacation time, you know, unused from the pandemic, and I forgot what it was like to really just take off, like, vacation time and not being sick times and stuff like that. And, um, my God, I got hats off to my wife, seriously. I mean, she... She works from home and cakes, uh, cakes care. I was going to say cares and takes care of. She works from home and takes care of the baby. And I was doing that. And I wasn't working. I was just taking care of her while she went into the office to do her job. Because she could do either the office or home. She chose home for the baby. And my God, it ain't easy, man. It is not easy. Especially now 
that she's approaching. I think she's going to be two, right? She's approaching two years old. Jesus, I got, got to remember that, Dom. Come on. She's going to be two years old, and now she's in everything and destroying everything. Just, I mean, the more mobile, the the more deadly it becomes. And um, you can't get mad because she's so cute. You know, but like you have to like you're worried about like, all right, if I'm not I'm not hungry right now, I'm not going to eat breakfast. Like, well, you got to you got to feed another person. Not saying that I don't know I got to feed my baby. I know that. OK, let's not have ACS called on me, though. I would love to get canceled. Like I said, it would bring me great publicity and stuff like that. But um, not for this, not for child abuse or neglect. No, I'm paying close attention. But, you know, it's like you know, it's a whole uh, you have to keep a human being alive and you just want to relax on your vacation, man. Let me not complain. It's been really wonderful. And again, hats off to her. I, I can't believe it. The strength of a woman to be able to do something like that. I don't think I'd be able to work, like focus on work and focus on a baby at the same time. So that that's really, really insane. Um, you know, so, oh, excuse me. So in my time off, I just kind of just trying to relax, have some cigars when I can. It's still not warm enough for cigars, but today's a nice day. It's about 56 degrees outside. In the sunlight, it feels like 61 degrees. And instead of being outside having a cigar, I'm here with you guys talking about none other than beer and sumo. Oh. Yes. Yeah, I don't want to I don't want to take up too much time with the sumo. I do think that um maybe it could become come off pretentious that I watch sumo wrestling. Well, I think I'm cool because I watch sumo wrestling, but sumo's in full swing, and you know that. This is my show, and I'm going to talk about some wrestling real quick. So uh, being on the vacation, it's been nice to watch the replays every morning. Uh, currently, there are two Yokozunas. It's Hakuho and Kakuru, uh, and both of them have been injured and out for quite some time. Uh, like, for example, Hakuho has not participated in a tournament since last March, okay, which is, a, I mean, that's just, that's an absurd amount of time. And Kakuru even more before that, so... You know, uh, here in the in the sumo community, we call it Nokozunas, uh, the tournament of Nokozuna when there's no Yokozuna. And luckily, we got to see a glimpse of the Yokozuna Hakuho returning this basho, but then uh, quickly making an exit. I mean, t- so dominant in the in the three matches we got to see him in. I think it was three matches or, t- or two or three matches. I mean, the guy is the best sumo wrestler ever. He really is. I mean. He's won, I think, 45 championships, and the next closest one was the guy who won 31. And then after that, like, the last closest one was, like, 27. I mean, the guy just wins, wins, wins. And unfortunately, he tore up his knee really bad, and he's going to need knee surgery, and he announced that the recovery time and such, uh, being as what it is, he will return in July, Basho, uh, and it will be his last. So this is going to be a big... Uh, uh, this is going to be a big uh, what's the, what is it, a rift in the sumo community that Hakuho, the living legend that is Hakuho, um, you know, call, hanging it up or, or cutting off the top knot. That's what they call it, right? So they all have a top knot, right? Which is a their hair is really long and they tie it up in a, in a, in a knot uh, on top of their head. And there's like they put like fans in it. Like, you know, they design it all differently with these crazy pomades. It's like it's like a part of the ceremony. And then when they retire, which is kind of cool for the retirement ceremony, like, you know, um, it's almost like a this is your life type vibe, but everyone cuts some of the the hair of the top knot off. Um, 
And once the top knot's gone, you can no longer be a sumo. You can't be a sumo wrestler unless you could get a top knot on on the top of your head. So, you know, I'm running out of hair. I, you know, and I've been contemplating going over to Japan. I'd be big. I'd be pretty big in Japan. You know. Uh, so, you know, an end of an era, the Hakuho era, uh, hopefully Kakaru will retire soon too, because, uh, he, he just doesn't participate and he, he wasn't nowhere, anywhere near as dominant, at least from what I've seen as Hakuho. And now we don't know where to go from here. I mean, uh, or do, do we know where to go from here? What are we, what are we going to do? We're going to go to the hop of the week. That's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to do. And this week... The hop that is being featured is called Cobb. Cobb. Cobb, also known as Cobb's Golding, is a product of Canterbury White Bine, uh, introduced in 1881 by Mr. John Cobb, not to be confused with Bob Cobb, the inventor of the Cobb salad. It is among uh, the varieties known as, quote, Goldings, a high-yielding aroma hop. It bears a classic English flavor and is lightly hoppy. Uh, in the past, it was uh, in demand for copper and dry hopping in traditional English ales, though its production has been curtailed now due to susceptibility to wilt and mildew. Uh, it is known for its exquisite and delicate aroma. Cobb's Golding Aroma Hop, ladies and gentlemen, coming in at a 4.4%, anywhere from a 4.4% to a 6.7% alpha acid composition. And we use that to uh, determine the bitterness of the hop. Yeah, that's what we do. All right. And that's it for the hop news. I'm going to take a quick pause here because i got to refill my beer. Just give me a second. Hold on. God, is it... Give me one second here, everybody. That sound means it's time for the beer news, ladies and gentlemen. And there's not a lot. I'm going to come right out and say it right now. There's not a lot of beer news. This actually might be the shortest episode with three beers in that has ever happened. I don't think that would be terrible, you know, to give you guys a little bit of a break, but um, I'm going to link this now, right now. Right this instant. Uh, I'm not going to do it right this instant, but right, uh, you could check my Facebook and Twitter for a link to a documentary called Brewmance, uh, where it looks like they follow the opening of two craft breweries from scratch. Uh, one being a family venture, I think, um, cl- uh, cl- uh, clothed in Christianity. I don't even know. And the other being the trombone player of the ska band, Real Big Fish. <clears throat> so look, don't cheat and look ahead and see if they sank or swam when they talk about the names of these breweries, please. Okay, so we can talk about this uh, documentary together, and I'm excited for when it releases, and I will keep everyone. I'm trying to fix my leg here. I'm going to keep everyone up to date as to when and where you can catch it. Uh, I was going to play the trailer to this documentary uh, during the show, but then it wouldn't really translate to what's going on. It's a lot of like uh, them doing a lot of carpentry work, and then there's arguments and stuff like that. Um, it looks like it could be really good. I, I There's a lot of heavy hitters in there. You see the guy, uh, Sam Cagalani. Cag- I don't know. You know I can't speak Italian. We did that with the translation thing, and I'm not pretentious. That's the word. Of the day, pretentious. Do I even say that word pretentiously? Pretentious. Um, it's got him in it. It's got the guy from Sam Adams. You know that guy. He's like, I want everyone. <laughs> That's not even his accent. He's like, I want everyone to have Samuel Adams's. God, this is terrible. I can't even. I can't. Even. <laughs> what am I even doing here? 
Um, it's got the guy from Bells. I mean, and I think what's really interesting and cool about the way this trailer kind of uh, seemed, um, it kind of shows the struggles of these, not the struggles, but I think it shows the struggles of opening up a craft brewery. And it shows that, you know, when you got guys that work their asses off and then they do end up selling out, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's so sad to say, it's like, you want to like, you want to not hate them for it, but you want to shake your fist at them for it. But at the same time, when you get to see how hard it is and how hard they have to work, you're like, I can't blame you, man. You know what? You worked hard. You earned it. You earned it. You know what I mean? Um, and more power to the people that, uh, to the brewers, uh, so to speak, and the brewmasters that try to, uh, sell, sell out and then stay on to make sure that their vision holds true. So it's really, um, it's really an interesting thing to look at. So this article here, I only got two articles here and look, I got the, the MacBook pro, it's, I think it's a general Mac thing I don't even, or an Apple thing. So I think you could even do it on your phone. <clears throat> Excuse me. I am a millennial, but do not scold me for this. 11 years of untapped, how one app gamified the relentless pursuit of novelty. Now, there's a lot of people who um, <clears throat> who love, a lot of people who hate WhatsApp. I mean, WhatsApp. Uh, <coughs> untapped. Sorry. Uh, but I'm going to read this one here real quick. And uh, we're going to get into it here. On January 20th, Gregory Avola announced he was stepping down as chief creative officer of Untapped, the online beer platform he helped found and then actively ran for a decade. This, Avola writes, is driven by a lifestyle change, and he will remain at Untapped's parent company, Next Glass, as executive advisor. I think we talked about this uh, a couple of weeks ago, that this uh, this company was taking over a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, in the in the um, beer on demand type uh, sphere, as when software developer Next Class per- oh there we go it purchased Untapped in 2016 and then joined uh, the uh, with newer beer per- uh, with newer purchase beer advocate in 2020. This update is stirring up conversation and reflection on Untapped's impact on beer culture. Such reflection yields a mixed bag. In the 11 years since its launch, Untapped has facilitated a wider reaching community in beer. It's helped users find beer. Uh, that they otherwise wouldn't, and therefore has helped breweries reach new customers. Some, however, feel that Untapped has fueled a, uh, quote, uh, ticker culture, and that its rating system is a breeding ground for biased, baseless ratings that only favor hyped beers and often hurt breweries. Now, I'm not going to lie. I did put the uh, three beers in pale ale on there, and I gave it like a five. So there was bias there. So I'm go- this is my mea copa about that. <clears throat> so I'm sorry, but it is what it is, and I'm not going to back down from my rating. It was pretty darn good, okay? Excuse me. Beer's relationship with Untapped might be complicated, but Untapped's role has proven undeniably significant. It's the four square of beer. Avola created Untapped with Tim Mather in 2010. Perhaps surprisingly, he wasn't all that into beer when he started working on the app. Quote, my main interest was uh, in communities and building social platforms to connect people in different ways, he tells me in a recent call. Um, I'm going to, oh, hold on, let me, let me, who's the author here? Hold on. Vinepair.com, and this is, the words are by Courtney Eisman. Okay, so that's who was on the call. It wasn't me. <clears throat> Avola and Mather 
used Foursquare as a model, which the press ran with, but Evola, as Evola puts it, with more focus on on what those check-ins do. Quote, no one cares if you're checking in at a grocery store, he says, but people checking in at bars, saying what they're drinking, it starts a, it starts connecting people across the globe. Avola wanted to take the inherent social aspect of craft beer and grow it online. At the time, there were only Beer Advocate and Rate Beer, both representing an older generation in beer. Untapped arrived at the party, hot on the heels of IPAs becoming a thing, and people traveled and waited long, uh, waited in long lines for a ready and willing platform of drinkers to discover, share, swap info, and by checking in that they were those that they were at those hype breweries drinking those hype beers. Brag. That was a tough sentence. That was a very millennial sentence. So you know, I'm sorry about that. In a way. In a way, excuse me, let me start over here. Let me take a sip of beer and start over. Jesus Christ, I'm so sorry, people. In a way, and as was Avola's intention, Untap became a wide-scale virtual tasting room where beer geeks could talk shop, but coming from different cities and even countries, instead of different bar stools, they could introduce each other to new brews. Avola says that at the time he was living in New York City and learned what fat tire was, uh, when May, they're living on the West Coast, checked it in. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that I, that I, that they stole my idea of this being the virtual saloon, okay, the beer bunker, where everyone, it's kind of like a virtual bar. Uh, and I'm not saying that I stole this idea from them. I've been saying this for a while, and this is the first time I'm ever hearing anything about it. But you can't talk about beer or listen to someone talk about beer on WhatsApp. Sorry, you can't do that. I got that, motherfuckers. Next generation of beer raiders. Whereas beer advocates' pages were filled with long, thoughtful beer reviews, Untapped catered to a generation of beer drinkers that was always on to the next and wanting the app to keep up. This is why Untapped is credited with or blamed for, quote, the ticker culture. After all, while Untapped was still in its infancy, the Alchemist was able to survive closing its brew pub after Hurricane Irene by pumping Hetty Topper out of its production brewery. There's no telling if this would have happened had Untapped not been in its prime, fueling beer seekers to move on in its search of a hot IPA they had already hadn't had tried. Indeed, within a few years, the script had flipped. How to be a beer nerd went from uh, having a discerning dedication to select brews to relentlessly trying every new beer release. The proof was uh, the proof of your beer cred was in your untapped portfolio, where millions of fellow users could marvel at the sheer breadth of hype beers you had checked in. Quote, the ticker culture represents an emphasis on the breadth of experience over depth, says Alex Kidd of Don't Drink Beer. And there's a hyperlink there. I might want to click that. The pore sizes seem to diminish. The style ratings seem to have heavily schooled, uh, skewed as a result. And the check-in seemed to be a system of accomplishments predicated on consumption over contemplation. God, I really wish that I could come up. You know, I don't think I'm a stupid person, right? I think I'm, I'm, I've got average intelligence, right? I can never come up with a sentence like that. The poor size has seemed to diminish. The style rating seemed to have heavily skewed as a result. And the check-in seemed to be a system of accomplishments predicated on the consumption over contemplation. God damn it, man. I just learned what pretentious means. And I can't even probably say it right. Christ. 
At best, it could be argued, ticker culture catalyzes beer sales by keeping drinkers motivated with the thrill of the hunt. I, I could kind of buy into that, you know. When I when I finally got my hands on Treehouse, thank God for Tom Salvi. When I got my my hands on Treehouse, I, I I was like I, I was in awe of it. You know what I mean? And uh, there was a there was a an exhilarating feeling when I when I open up when I was opening up those cans. So I can understand that. At worst, it can be an arrow through the heart of brewers' ability to create and diversify their offerings. Since the haziest IPAs, the slushiest sours, and the most candy-packed pastry sours are going to win ticks every time over a loving homage to an English mild. I mean, I see, this is where I become a little bit conflicted. I mean, I understand what you're saying when it comes to the contemplation of a beer. But I don't want to sit there and contemplate a dark and mild when I'm having a fucking pastry stout where I'm like, oh my god, I taste a fucking jelly donut in it. Okay, because an English mild is, I mean, it's in the fucking title. English mild. It's mild. It's fucking in the middle, man. I mean, no one's seeking, I, I haven't seen an English mild. I mean, I haven't seen a craft English mild maybe in my fucking life. Okay. I don't mean to curse so much. Pardon me. This can also hurt beer sales for breweries and in, on an individual basis if they decide to commit the cardinal sin of making the same of making the same beers and therefore lose the luster of the tick seekers. I mean, they could just fucking lie, can't they? Who knows that you're actually drinking the beer? Check in at at wherever the fuck and say that you're drinking it. I mean, you could just fucking lie. Probably a lot of people do lie. I mean, what are you really chasing, right? I've never fucking looked at someone and and they're untapped and seeing how many beers they had and like, oh my god, this person, this person should be pe- should be headed on high. Moving on here, quote. I don't want to be an old crank who decries ticker culture, but I really can't imagine what positive impact it could have on anything, says beer writer Will Gordon. The most obvious downside, Gordon continues, is too many people uh, stumbling around juggling flights with their phones in their hands in a mad dash to overrate beers that are either too sweet and too sour. Ticker cult. This is what this guy, uh, what was it, Will Gordon says, but now we're moving on here. Quote, ticker culture is negative. Full stop, says Gage Siegel, founder of Brooklyn's non-sequester uh, uh, beer project, citing people buying cases of beer just to flip and festival go- and festival goers trying to cram in a hundred different beer pours in three-hour time slots uh, is less ideal in terms of a result. Ticker culture certainly doesn't start or end with untapped, but I'd say they do a lot to normalize and make it easier to participate in. For me, look, for me, I use the untapped to try to just keep, you know, it was so funny was I was like, you know, I drink a lot of beer outside of the show. Maybe I should do a sexy untapped about the beers that I've had, you know? And if you want to, you could follow the show, but you can follow the host, John Rapello, and see what beers he's drinking on this. Come on. I'm not here to chase beer. I mean, I, I I have a couple of followers on the Untapped. I follow a couple of people on Untapped. I love to see the activity. I do love to see the beers that people are drinking. But I'm not sitting here saying, "Oh my God, he had Eddie Jabba. Oh my God, this guy went to Russian River. Oh my God, this guy went over to Treehouse. Oh my God, he's at the Alchemist. How the hell did he get to California? 
and he's having stone. I hate stone. Like it doesn't no. But there are a, a there is a sect of people in this in this society that are are crazy about going viral and crazy about everything that is social media. And when you could attach beer drinking to social media, then then you have a recipe for something like this. So I I I could see both sides of it. I can, you know. Uh, an inevitable evolution in how drinkers engage with craft beer. The ticker culture discussion never happens without mentioning Untapped, but it's important to clarify the app did not create ticker culture. It has aided what could be considered human nature in an industry of exponentially exploding with new options every year. Huh. One could get bogged down in a chicken or egg quandary. Do breweries continuously push the envelope to meet the demand of tick hungry untapped users? Or are tick hungry unhappy users uh, tripping over themselves to keep up with the constant deluge of hop innovations and wacky adjuncts? In a two way street, an untapped provides the platform for everyone to talk about it. And what do we have here for the future of untapped? What do we have here for the future? I lost my place here. All that remains to see is how untapped continues to evolve, especially in this new, increasingly online chapter and how beer culture will evolve alongside it. Uh, one, of the, uh, one safe bet is on in, Untapped increasing its attention to international markets. In 2020, the app saw growth in Europe, uh, European cities where it saw declines in the U.S. In December, Next Glass also acquired digital beer magazine and event producer Hop Culture. According to Hop Culture's founder and now creative director at Next Glass, Kenny Gould, uh, we'll be seeing further integration of Next Glass acquisitions, untapped hop culture, Osner, and beer advocate playing to the unique contributions of each of these beer, uh, each of these has made to the beer culture. They write, I think we'll continue to see the development of digital craft beer online, Gould says, with more content sales and connections happening online. Yes, I do. And if you want, and, and I'm t- Next Glass, if you want to reach out to me, because I'm online, people are listening to me, I will be more than happy to give you my insight and be on your payroll to talk about whatever the fuck you want me to talk about. <laughs> Imagine it. I give the, all these breweries shit that sell out and then I sell out. Everyone has a price. This is from Savos.com 2021 DTC Beer Shipping Report. Okay, DTC, direct to consumer, I believe that means, and I'm not going to look that up. The Brewers Association survey of craft brewers revealed that 13% of respondents indicated that they were engaged in direct-to-consumer shipping. Most still focused close to home with 89% of breweries who said they do some direct-to-customer shipping via common carrier, saying their home state is their primary market. That said... Some breweries are finding markets outside of their own state with 11% now saying they sell more volume direct to consumer, hold on, out of state than in state. Now, you know, hold on a second here. Sorry about that. Um, I got a notification that the Giants signed Kenny Galladay and it totally threw me off. I apologize about that. I mean, it's been a Galladay type. Oh, shit. I don't want to have that sound popping up sorry about that um sorry about that pardon me 
Given the challenges and opportunity facing breweries, 70% of uh, brewery respondents said that they would consider using direct-to-consumer shipping to to go to market if it were legal in their state or if it already is. Because there's a lot of states where there's there's issues. I know when I go to Pennsylvania, in order to buy a certain amount of beers, you had to go to, like, the bar to buy them. It was crazy. The direct-to-consumer beer shipping report also examines consumer attitudes towards existing beer shipping regulations, finding that an overwhelming majority of regular craft brew drinkers, 84%, say they want to be able to legally purchase beer via direct-to-consumer shipping to their home, a practice currently sanctioned by only 13 United uh, U.S. states. That's a bit surprising. I didn't think it was that. <clears throat> wow, this kind of changed everything. When, you know, we were talking about, I mean, here in New York... You were able to get beer from anybody, you know. I mean, basically, if they were able to do it, you were able to either, um, I mean, picking up, you know, obviously, but, I mean, it was being delivered. You know, you can just get it. The report covers these topics in more detail, including uh, DTC, Craft Drinkers, and Demographic. Download your free copy today if you want to do that at Southwest.com. But still, huh, 73% of these craft beer drinkers saying that they would do it if they could just have their state allow it. I mean, this is definitely the direction of beer and most consumer goods kind of trending towards it. Um, People want the convenience and the variety. I mean, if I could order any of these beers online, I would just absolutely do it. But I'm thinking now of that beer. I mean, this was in like the Poconos. I just remember guys getting 30 racks of beer out of a bar. So now if if that bar was the only place you can get 30 racks of beer, now you can just order it at home. It's going to hurt that bar quite a bit. So you're going to see a little bit of a fight uh, between, uh, I would say, restaurants and dis- maybe distributors too. That's going to hurt the distributors a little bit, you know. It's uh, you know, but it gives the consumer more choice. And hey, we're all for that, aren't we? Beer review, ladies and gentlemen. And as I said before, we got two to do. Two. So naturally, um, I did the first one already. And I'm going to be doing the second one right here in front of everybody. Isn't that crazy? First thing we did here was the Spellbound Brewing Hefeweizen. Uh, and that's for the springtime. So that was really exciting to do. Uh, the look of it was a, it was a straw, pale yellow with a faint haziness to it. Three fingers of a very fluffy white head. Very, very Hefeweizen looking. Very exciting. Uh, the smell was a bit strange. I wasn't getting any banana or clove in the aroma, which was a little bit surprising because that is kind of like the staples of a hefeweizen. Um, uh, you know, it, it had a citrusy aroma to it, and it also I was getting a little bit of a grainy smell as well as I was uh, running through the motions of the hefeweizen. Also, by the way, you want to talk about pretentious? <clears throat> they have a whole bunch of German in here. Guten Tag. Bierlut hier ist unschuldig aus von so international I mean, really? They put a whole bunch of German on, on the can, right? That's a bit bold, right? So I went to the taste here, and it was just not good, okay? Um, it was very citrusy on the first sip. You waited for a little bit for the Hefeweizen to take hold, and it just never arrives, okay? It was a very lemony tarty citrus flavor followed by a bitterness that finished with a malty belgian yeasty flavor 
okay? Didn't get any banana. Didn't get any clothes. It had that bubblegum, you know, bel- like I said, Belgian-y, yeasty flavor, but that was just, it wasn't, it was not good, okay? In terms of the style here, it had the mouthfeel and the look of a Hefeweizen, but it never takes off. Okay, the flavors are just absent. It's not good. Even the flavors that you do get from the beer were simply bad. Okay, and for that, I give the beer a 1.5. I'm sorry to say it. I was really excited about it, but it just that's just how the cookie fucking crumbled here in terms of this beer. Now I have in front of me the Irish Coffee Stout from Flagship Brewing Company in conjunction with Unique coffee roasters out of Staten Island, New York, and they were established, I think it says here, in 1995. I can't see it. It's way too... It's way too hard for me to see. I think it's in the 90s. Okay. Irish coffee stout, stout with coffee. Had this before. Gonna do a review for you right from the can. All right? Not writing anything out. I'm just gonna do it for you. So, uh, like I said, they had the Holterman stout before it. Um you know, from recent memory. And that was just absolutely out of this world. This is another Halterman's bakery is a bakery on Staten Island. Uh, it's the oldest bakery on Staten Island and they did a beer in conjunction with them. And they're doing a beer now in conjunction with this local coffee roaster. Got three fingers ahead. It is dark. It is completely black. It is a tan head, three fingers ahead. I did a little bit of an aggressive pour. Uh, Ooh, excuse me. Has a really great stout look to it. I mean, classic stout look. Completely opaque. <laughs> Hold on a second. My daughter and wife just walked in. Give me one second. When your daughter and wife walk in, you got to stop everything. Okay. And then restart again. Um, but is it a really start stop? Who knows? What we have here is the Irish coffee stout. That three fingers of head has now died down and we have some impeccable lacing on the glass. Like I said before, just completely black, completely opaque. A very inviting, inviting looking stout. And let's get a nose on it, shall we? Uh, The coffee aroma. I mean, if you're a coffee lover, the smell of the coffee that we get off of this beer is just so inviting and so astounding. Oh my God. The coffee is just very dominant. I try to get more in there. There's There's like a chocolatey sweetness in there that I get, but I mean, it is just very coffee forward. And now for the taste. Oh. oh my God. It's like there is a, there's a very strong chocolate, coffee, dry, like roasted malty flavor there. Great earthy dry finish. It is so fucking good. And the coffee is just so wonderfully pronounced it's it's not the the shining star of this stout whatsoever of course it's there you do get that coffee flavor but the sweetness of this stout at eight percent it is just unreal Mm. very rich very thick mouthfeel um the carbonation is medium the lacing is really nice this was a very fantastic beer to have just laid back taking it easy on St. Patty's Day I only had two of them that day save the other two for today and I'm, I'm glad that I did I will say this and this is a part of I think keeping it local I want to find 
where Unique Coffee Roasters is and get a cup of coffee from there, to be honest with you. I mean, it is just great. You know, I always get Dunkin' or Starbucks. Uh, you know, if I can get out to this place and, and, and uh, have some of their coffee, it'd be really great. But now this is an official review from Three Beers In. So when we're talking about the style here, I mean, the mouthfeel is just so so smooth and, and, and delicate. You know, for me, I give this uh, under the seasonal. I'm going to give this a, um, a 9.1. And being that it is in the seasonal guest tap, Oh, it doesn't beat Paracosm. Darn. Oh, but no, excuse me. In the stout category, we have ourselves a beer on the Mount Rushmore. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Staten Island's very own flagship brewing company. In unison with Unique Coffee Roasters, brings you the Irish Coffee Stout. A fantastic stout that has made it to our Mount Rushmore. Really, it, it's it's a really good beer. I, I wouldn't put it on the Mount Rushmore if it wasn't, especially for... And I mean, this is a pretty great stout... I think to finish the winter season to have a a Staten Island brewery on the Mount Rushmore. Unbelievable. Oh, here it says on the side here, uh, two Staten Island small businesses united in the quest to make unforgettable beverages. This pastry stout is brewed to emulate an Irish coffee. We use lactose to bring out the cream, wood spirals aged on Irish, Irish whiskey to bring out oak, and whiskey barrel flavor, plus loaded with coffee roasted here on Staten Island. It is a pastry stout because it has that luscious, sweet flavor. If you could get your hands on this one, too, you will not be doing yourself a disservice. An absolutely fantastic beer. I want to thank everyone for joining this week. Um, A little bit of a shorter episode than usual, and even with two beers reviewed. This is where it shall end, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for tuning in to episode 190 of Three Beers In, where we featured these two beers. One of them was bad, and one of them was good. And let's hope that the um, that spring will be better than this beer, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for listening. I look forward to talking to you guys next week. Hopefully there'll be more beer news. We'll see. Take care, everybody.